Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 72. Uh, this is me having a chat with Holly Walker. She was a Greens MP. Uh, she's a writer, she's a podcaster, a podcast guest. Uh, she's a mother, she's a published author. She's written a book, a memoir, a short memoir. And uh, it's called The Whole Intimate Mess, Motherhood, Politics and Women's Writing. So she's kind of, I guess, maybe getting towards the end of the press trail when I talked to her. She'd done done big interview with Kim Hill and had some reviews and, and been, you know, talked about in various contexts around the book. So I wanted to catch up with her. We scheduled this, uh, you know, to, to talk about the book, obviously, but we also talk about the kind of the publicity trail, what it means to be out of the public eye doing this stuff because it's an, it's an amazing book like I, I reviewed the book I loved the book it was uh, what's the word uh, very raw and, and honest you know uh, probably the most unflinchingly honest account I think I've read um, she's she's possibly a little hard on herself I think a little harsh um, the subtitle you know she's ref, uh, referencing the lean in book by Sheryl Sandberg the the, the Facebook uh, worker uh, what is she the CEO or CIO or something of Facebook so she's referencing that with her subtitle here she says I leaned in so far I fell over and cracked into little pieces so we sort of talked about that and about picking up those pieces about put and putting those pieces out in public displaying a version of yourself um, so yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting conversation around, uh, her, I guess, what was her dilemma and and her life and and moving forward. Uh, I enjoyed having this conversation with her. Um, she's yeah, uh, uh, quite a quite a fearsome talent and across you know many 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 levels. So this is me talking with Holly Walker. You've done reviews and then there you are mm. being reviewed. Mm. And now I'm writing a, re- a review and I've, of, I do have uh, Sarah a, a Quigley's book. new novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I didn't really like it that much, but it's interesting because I have a different perspective on yeah. writing a review now. Yeah, having just had this Well, yeah. should we start with that? Should we start yeah, with that? Sure. Because um, uh, the. I, I guess the Deborah Coddington review <laughs> is probably the one that uh, has generated the most interest, yep. for want of a word. Yeah. Um, I I read it and thought it wasn't without, you know, salient points. Yeah. But it felt, um, I don't know if it was quite an attack, but it felt a little bit tough. I wondered how you felt about it. Yeah, it was... It was um, uncomfortable it wasn't easy to read but you know to to be fair to Deborah her conclusion was that the book was worth writing and worth reading and she was yeah. basically recommending that yeah. people read it so that's great um, and I'm very appreciative of that and she's got her own perspective on it as a former MP herself and mm. I think it's mm. interesting I think it was a um an interesting and a good pick of Steve Broadness's to pick her as a reviewer because of that perspective that she brings. Yeah. Um, I guess what was uncomfortable about it was it felt to a certain extent like not only a review of the book, and that's totally fair game, Yeah. but also a little bit of a review of my life choices. Yeah, 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 yeah a review of the person. Yeah, that's which, right. Which, in a way, you know, look... Uh, but then uh, that's what I wrote about, so. Well, also, I was going to say, um, you know, and I, I, I've, I've had some experience of this from both sides, but 
I guess a review of something that you put out into the world is a review of you. That's how people see it. Yeah. Um, and you know, for better and worse, you know, and it yeah. can be it can be quite challenging and quite uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. But and I agree with what you're saying with regard to this particular one. Yeah. I, you know, it seemed to me she uh, clarified that you'd written a book on your own experiences and then almost told you off for having those experiences. That's, it did feel a bit like <laughs> that, yeah. A little bit of a lecture on, well, if you'd just done it this way, yeah. which is not the, you know, yeah. I think your book is, um, you know, I, I hesitate to use this, but in some ways it could almost be reviewed as intentionally a, a memoir of failure. You're, mm. you're pointing out the things that you struggled with. Mm. Failure is a little bit mm. too harsh, but mm. you're pointing out, the, rather than celebrating... Yeah, and that's where I think, you know, I've said it, and I'm sure you've heard this from other people, that uh, I think Deborah said it in hers, that it possibly, it possibly feels like you're a little bit harsh on yourself. Yeah, Which, which we, all, we all say, what, yeah. have, what have you thought about hearing that from people? Have you gone, yeah, maybe I was? Or are you like, nah, good, that's, you know? Yeah, I, I've, several people have said that to me. Yeah. And um, it's quite nice, actually. It, it's... It did make me think, well, maybe I am a bit hard on myself. But that was kind of front and centre in my mind when I was writing, I guess, was I wanted to be really honest about... Because I think when you are an MP, when you're a politician, your job, to a certain extent, is to put out the best possible version of A, yourself, and B, your party and your policies. And, you know, you're always polishing what you put out into the world yeah. um, to, you know, ultimately to persuade people to vote for you or support your party, but also just to kind of curate this image of yourself. Um, and I had begun to feel like that image that I was putting out into the world was so far removed from my private experience that one of the, one of my missions, I guess, when I was writing was to try and bring those two th- back mm. together and um, be be really ruthlessly... Um, you know, examine myself and my motivations and my um, perceived failures really ruthlessly. And so, um, in doing that, maybe I maybe I was a little hard on myself. But I think that's probably a personality trait that I have anyway. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting to hear people who who don't know me in real life, maybe at all or particularly well. Yeah read it and say, oh, I think you're a bit hard on yourself. Yeah, and it's yeah. quite useful to get that objective perspective, really. Well, it, I mean, it, I guess, just hearing you talk about it too, and uh, I, I mean, I thought about this when I read the book and when I wrote something about it, and I came to, in part, that conclusion, and then I thought, well, I guess that validates the honesty. Mm. Like, you know, we we have so many people that think they want honesty and think they're honest. And they're really not. I mean, the number of people I've had over the years say, send me an album and say, I I don't care if you don't like it. I just want you to be honest. And then I am. And I get like abuse. I get hate mail. I need to hear from them again. I get told that I've got the wrong end of the stick. And, you know, sometimes I've got the wrong end of the stick. Sure. Yeah. But. They, what they didn't want was honesty. They they said they wanted it, yeah. and they didn't. Yeah. And I, so I thought about that with you know with your book that people telling you, oh, you've been too harsh on yourself. It really validates your effort at unflinching honesty. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't try to sugarcoat anything in there um, at all. And so if that comes across, as what was hard for hard. you 
to include was there it was hard to write about the self-harm stuff um that that was something i had never apart from my partner dave who obviously was there and witnessed it um and a psychologist that i see from time to time i had never spoken to anybody about that so that was the that was the stuff that was really um challenging to put out there but um I was really, I was really motivated by the quote that I ended up using for the um, title of the book, The Whole Intimate Mess, which comes yep. from this painter, Jacqueline Fahey, who had done in the 80s a painting of herself kind of nude, surrounded by the detritus of her domestic life, gin bottles and medication, you yeah. know, um, pill bottles and mess and children's clothes and everything. Um which she kind of said, look, just put it all, I'm just going to put it all out there because if it's happened to me, if it's relevant to me, it must be relevant to somebody yeah. else. And so that was what drove me to include that stuff because right. I just thought this was a really extreme thing that happened. I, I really surprised myself. Like this felt very um, incongruous with my sense of myself and who yeah. I am, this behaviour, this thing that I was doing, hitting myself in the head at the peak of these terrible arguments that Dave and I would be having just felt like so alien I thought I can't be the only person who's had an experience like this so if I put it out there even though that's very scary hopefully it will be helpful or yours is the maybe the physical manifestation of what some people think they're going to get to so they read it I'm guessing they read it yeah. and go well I never quite got to that but I had thoughts yeah. along the or they had their own version of it yeah but I was I'm resisting from I'm going to do it now but I was resisting from the terrible pun of, and because I'm not trying to make a joke, but you know, the book goes from what feels like a bit of a beating up of yourself to this. Lit- there is this yeah. literal, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I was literally beating myself up, and once to a point so badly that I had this big bruise on my you had face. To, you had, had to lie to about it, just you know, explain to people. Yeah. So, had- and the interesting thing was when the first people started reading it. Um, Yes, I was going to say, who, who do you trust with uh, checking that out and saying, yeah. no, no, you have gone too far, or hey, this is you know great yeah. or whatever. Like, well, I gave it to some, I gave it to some women that um, that I've gotten to know in the last couple of years since I've been writing through various writing yeah. sort of groups that I'm involved with. Um, so cl- close friends, recent close friends, not yeah. people who were close friends during that time. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it took me a while to be able to share it with people who were closer to me right through, like with my mum, for example, or with friends who have been friends for a long time. Um, I guess because I felt like I hadn't shared, I hadn't hadn't shown them what was going on at the time, so I knew they'd find it quite confronting. But with new friends, I I felt like I could um, share with them, get a relatively objective opinion, but also people that you know, I'd come to know and trust quite well in the last couple of years. So I got some really good feedback from them. But um, from them and from some others who read it in, in early versions, um, and also since it's been published, I've had a number of messages from people relating very similar experiences um, and saying things like, you know, gosh, I thought I was the only one that this... Yeah, or telling you how so, close they got to yeah, that, I would imagine, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's wow. been really great and encouraging because that's yeah again it's a validation that honestly it tells you it was worth including that yeah 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 that's right 
Wow. Um, and I'm thinking, like, you mentioned the Jacqueline Fahey quote, like, the book title and its subtitle are a nice juxtaposition of quotes from two very different types of people wanting to put across two very different types mm. of things. So, because you say uh, on the book cover, I leaned in so far I fell over and cracked into little pieces as a, as a kind of subtitle, and that comes from what's her name, Cheryl Sanders. Is she the what yeah. CFO or what is she? Something? I think she is the CFO of, of Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, and her um, book is called Lead In, and yes. it's sort of, I haven't, I my wife's read it, I, I haven't read it yet, um, whether I will or not, it was on I the list. I don't, I don't recommend it. Yeah, really. <laughs> that, that's, that's sort of my understanding of it, but, but her book is sort of um, quite the opposite of. Uh, wanting mm. to put across a whole internet, mm. internet mess, right? It's 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 telling you to work hard and be composed and and yeah. you know lift your lift your game and <laughs> all of this sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's basically um, her saying, you know, women don't sell yourselves short. Yeah. If you want to advance in your career, um, the the lean in basically means like, you know, seek every opportunity, put yourself forward you know, um, negotiate for better pay, put yeah. yourself forward for promotions, all of that. All of which, you know, I, I agree with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's coming, she's an incredibly, she's coming from an incredibly privileged position. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she she talked in that book about the fact that your choice of partner is incredibly important because yeah, right. you need, you know, you need a, yeah. a partner to, if you're going to be a parent, you know, to co-parent with you, who's going to support your career. And uh, that was something that um, struck me in Deborah Coddington's review also, because part of this story that I relate in the book is that um, during the time after I'd had my daughter and was still in Parliament and things were turning to custard, one of the things that went wrong is that my partner developed chronic pain related to mm. um, a mild form of muscular dystrophy that he has. And um, we had every intention of him being a stay-at-home dad, yep. primary carer, you know, and, um, my career taking front stage for a while, all of that. And that just went out the window when he got really unwell. He wasn't able to work and he also wasn't able to look after our daughter. So the idea that... Um, you know, I could have just chosen a better partner, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which was kind of present in Deborah's review. She kind of said something along the lines yes. of, you know, she will she she was aware of his condition when they got together. Yes, you know? yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you which, know, that's... which is which is really not true, and that and that it, it morphs into a completely that different condition. It morphed condition, into something like, completely yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also the idea that sort of like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I'll just choose a less disabled husband. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, but. Uh, to be fair to Cheryl Sandberg, since Lean In was published, her husband, That's right. yeah. um, Dave Goldberg, who was a similarly um, sort of successful Silicon yeah, yeah, Valley yeah. type of person, um, tragically died suddenly. Yeah, quite young. Like yeah, in his 40s, late I think. 40s, late 40s, 40s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and she has subsequently written that in the wake of that terrible tragedy, she realised how naive some of her advice in that yeah, book yeah. was yep. um so you know look I, I don't i don't bear any ill will towards her i think she was completely well intentioned yeah. in writing lean in but i do think it has produced this effect of women feeling like if they're not advancing or if it's too hard it's sort of their fault and what they should do is try harder yeah. and actually i think it's more about the fact that we all have care responsibilities and they all bubble up at different times in our lives and come to the fore and 
we don't, you know, by and large, we don't have a culture of work that really makes it easy to meet those key responsibilities and stay engaged in the workforce at the same time. And something that I'm thinking about while you say this is because I, I last night I just watched the um, I got given a, an advanced copy of the Helen Clark documentary. Oh, cool! So I've I've watched it and um, it's it, it's great. But there's this amazing bit where she's talking about um, you know I I'm not running as because I'm a woman, I'm running because I'm a person. I advocate for women, but I'm I'm just me, and I'm going to do the best job I can. But she talks about, and I mean, she articulates it better than I'll be able to recall, but she, she sort of talks about um, one of the worst things that can happen. Like, yes, you want women moving up and getting great positions and great jobs, but one of the worst things that can happen is the wrong woman getting that job because it makes it so much harder for all... Mm-hmm. And women, mm. so, and 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 so I'm, I'm, I sense a bit of that in, in what you're talking about, Cheryl Sandberg, because it can be a, a, an incompetent person who who gets it through for whatever reason, but it can also be, yeah, a, a woman with a great privilege, you know, and mm. that, that can send the wrong message too. That it mm. that it equates to a kind of punching down, mm. or whatever, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, look at Margaret Thatcher, you know, yeah, <laughs> shit that that um, accolade of being the first female Prime Minister yeah. of Great Britain didn't equate to her improving um, the lives well, of women or yeah. changing well, the culture around, um, yeah. you know, women in the workforce of women in politics yeah. and indeed um, probably drastically um, made things worse for many, many, many women. So it's not, uh, you know, it's... And, yeah. to go, and to go to your grave with a, a legacy where you're summed up as the Iron Lady mm. is, you know, it's, it's, whether she embraced that or not, it's not fond. Yeah, you know, that's you know, right. Like. And, um, and, and to a certain extent, Theresa May now as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, it's it doesn't follow that just by virtue of gender, yeah. um, women in leadership positions are going to change the culture and make things better for other women. But I do think overall on the numbers you know we would I think we would see a shift if we could move there seems to be this 30% ceiling in parliament but in a lot of other areas yeah. as well where um, so we've been static at around 30% women in parliament for the last 20 years or so in local government it's even less it's around 20% um, on boards of companies it's around 30 generously often less and we don't seem to be able to move past that. Mm, and mm. I think if we did, we would see different decision-making, different policies, you know, um, an opening of the way to make it easier for other women to come into those positions, more flexible, family-friendly employment, yeah. you know, targeting more targeting of issues that disproportionately affect women, like the gender pay gap and sexual violence. I think we would see that. I do think there is virtue in getting women into those positions. Yeah, of course. Um, but, it, yeah, it doesn't follow that just because you have a woman in a leadership position <laughs> yeah, yeah. is necessarily going to make things better. And so, and your book, so your book does a good job, too, of, of opening up this this conversation, you know, what, what you're speaking to there about. And, um, you know, some people, I think, again, the Deborah Coddington review sort of 
challenge you slightly on not having an answer for it, but it's, I mean, it's a small book, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's right to just ask the question. The, yeah. person, the person who asks the question doesn't have to have the answer. They are, you know, enabling a dialogue, creating a conversation or adding to a conversation by asking pertinent questions. Yeah, that's right. And I, I did have a conversation with um, my editor about that when we were working on the book, because um I do have some ideas, I mean particularly in the sphere of Parliament which I'm most familiar with in terms of practical changes that might make it easier for um, more women to um, get into and stay in Parliament. And I've talked about some of those in interviews about the book, so things like if it was possible for MPs to job share for example, run on a yeah. ticket, you know, share the salary and share the, share the workload, or if um, an MP could take a leave of absence. Uh, for a year and be temporarily replaced off the list. Things like that I think would make a really big difference. But we did make a conscious decision not to go into that territory in the book because it is real really it's a it's a it's a personal memoir about my experience yeah, rather yeah. than a polemic about how yeah, we can yeah, make Parliament yeah. better. Um, but you, as I say you still book, you still are able to introduce that because that's pertinent to who you are and your work yeah. and what happened to you. Yeah, in terms that's of, right. You know, and if it's prompting those conversations, yeah. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, well, let's go back to uh, what enables the book. Like, when do you recognise that this is a story worth telling, that you have a story? How does it come about? Were you mm. always going to write it? Does someone approach you? Or do you start jotting it down? Um, a, a combination of things happened. So... Probably about a year after I'd left Parliament and the dust had settled a little bit, things were a little bit more sustainable. Um, I two things happened. One or th three. Um, one is that I just decided to set for myself this challenge of only reading books written yeah. by women um, for a while. I said a year initially. Um, it ended up being two years, and I don't. I, I wasn't fully cognizant of the reasons why I was doing yeah. that at the time, but um, I thought I might write a blog about it, which was very short-lived, but I just thought this would be a good thing to do, and maybe if I surrounded myself with other women who'd told their story, I'd get gain in confidence about telling my own. So that yeah, was one thing. inspiration. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's right. Um, another was that I signed up for an online writing course. So I, I, I had been reading this blog called Renegade Mothering, um, which is written by a woman called Janelle Hanchett, who's based in California. And she writes really funny, frank, um, writes a very funny, frank blog about motherhood. She's got four kids. Um, she's trying to balance that with a creative life, being a writer. Yeah. Um, and she, I just loved her voice and the perspective that she had. So I'd been following her blog for some time since after, was, after Esther was born and it had come up on my Facebook feed. And she started offering um, online writing courses, not craft, not like how to write, yeah. but more um, how to get past any barriers that you yeah. might have to writing. So the course is so, called Write Anyway. It's like, what are all your excuses for not writing? Unlocking confidence, unlocking yeah. story and yeah. creating time. Yeah. yeah prioritizing yep. that over the housework and all that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. So I signed up for her class and it was excellent and I met um, through that this great group of women who we've stayed uh, connected and just kept writing together since then. Um, and I had a friend working at Bridget Williams Books who um, 
so Marilyn Waring, former national MP, um, you know, amazingly national MP, um, staunch feminist, had given this really great International Women's Day address on um, International Women's Day in 2015. And my friend Hannah, who was working at BWB, kind of said, oh, you know, it, it, we found that um, speech really interesting and be an interesting thing to explore, like women in parliament, women in leadership. Um, maybe you might want to write something about it. And I, I wasn't ready straight away yeah, to do yeah. that, but I kind of had that in the back of my mind. So through that course, I started um, just writing bits and pieces, and it felt like all of this stuff was right at the very top. So I wasn't sure what I wanted to write or why, but I knew that to write anything at all, I had to get this stuff off my chest first and kind of yeah. process that experience that... I'd had and make sense of it, so I started writing bits and pieces, some of which ended up in the book, some of which didn't, but was the kickstart I needed to get going. Yeah. And at the same time, reading all those books by women did have the effect of kind of, yeah, finding some inspiration and creating creating the mm. space to do that and, and feeling like, um, yes, this is a story that is worth sharing. And then eventually I got up the confidence to approach BWB. But I initially, um, I, I went in sideways. I thought, oh, well, what I'll do first is write a book of interviews with women writers. Because yeah. um, I've read so many of them and there hasn't been a book like that um, in New Zealand for a while. And so I went in and pitched them that idea. And they kind of were very polite about it and then said, well, that sounds nice. But, you know, we think actually you've got a story that's worth telling. Yeah, so yeah. they kind of gave me the prompt to should go away and work on my own material. And you read quite widely across the women authors. It's not, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of memoir type things in there, mm -hmm. obviously, but you include poetry, fiction, um, you know, um, and the poetry, of course, that's a type of memoir of, mm. in some cases, you know, it's a type of autobiography. Yeah, uh, it's interesting, you know. actually. I think the relationship between poetry and memoir or personal... Yeah. essay is actually quite close although the art of poetry which I'm, I've never really attempted to write poetry but I'm kind of in awe of is distilling that down to these incredibly yeah. um, intense you know moments really that convey so much whereas I need more words to kind of work yeah, my way yeah, around yeah. to it um, also there's you know I'm just thinking of like because uh, obviously your list was great I looked through it and I thought you know uh, I'd read I probably had read about a quarter of them mm -hmm. and then there's probably half a dozen others where I've read something by that author but mm -hmm. not that particular title and then there's several others that I've you know that I want to get to mm -hmm. or whatever so you know I'm a, a sucker for a list mm -hmm. but I'm thinking too like someone like because it's on your list the Hera Lindsay Bird book is mm -hmm. a great example of almost like um uh, a literary deception in terms of an autobiography you know we're finding out about a character who may or may not be, be the person yeah. that's actually written those you yeah. Know, yeah 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 but yeah that's absolutely right and yeah and I mean to a certain extent that's true of all writing isn't it like yeah um even even I've so what I what I've tried to do in this book is uh write as close to the truth as I possibly can um, and be unflinching about that and really examine myself. But no doubt, um, there's, you know, I've I've still curated something there. It's, you know, yeah. there's no way really to convey 
a whole person. Yeah, yeah, it's a snap, that's right. It's always a snapshot. It's yeah. always from the very obvious bias of the writer. Yeah, you know, no one yeah. can no one can see fully outside themselves and yeah, and, and have the subjective opinion yeah. on themselves. Yeah, 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 or, yeah, or on anything else. You know, it's all. Yeah, and that's what has been interesting about putting it out there. And one of the kind of um, handy little mantras, I guess, that I learned from that writing uh, class that I talked about before was uh, this idea that you do the work and then you step away. So you put it out there in the world and then it's up to people to interpret and do with what they will. And that's quite a useful little device, I think, for getting to that stage of publication because at that point you do relinquish control really yeah. of um, the story and how it's going to be interpreted yeah but that's okay because your job as the writer is just to get it to that point and then yeah people can do with it what they want yeah yeah so well let's go let's go back now to to before there was a book and even to before you were in politics um you talk about some of this in the book but give, give me a bit of a, a sort of a, a potted history of your upbringing and the things that you were interested in that were motivating you because it's you know it's unfair to call this it is also unfair to call this any sort of uh, memoir of failure or failings because there's some real triumphs hmm. in the book not not least of all the fact that you wrote the book that you had hmm. the wherewithal and you know the ability to tell us this story but uh you're a Rhodes scholar Yep. Not everyone is that, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you're also quite self-effacing around things like that. You're yeah. quite capable of, of, of laughing at yourself for being, uh, you know, a giant nerd or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so a potted history. Well, um, I I mean, it, part, part of what I tried to do in, in the early chapters of the book was really examine, there was a version of that potted history that I used to tell all the time, uh, as an MP or as a prospective MP about my upbringing um, that and this is the thing about you know no, nothing I was saying was untrue but you're always creating a sort of, course. of narrative of yourself yeah, 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 so yeah. it's true to say I um, my mum was on her own when she had me she'd split up from my uh, dad who she was married to and he was in Australia she came back to New Zealand and had me on her own uh, and so at the beginning of my life, she was on the DPB. We lived in a council flat. Um, she got the training in Centre Valance, trained as a kindergarten teacher. And, um, you know, I had this great public education in, in the Hutt Valley where I still live. Um, and that's all true. But as a that had become this kind of version of myself yeah. that I was telling as a politician uh, in a way, it's one of those. It's almost one of those kind of rags to riches politician stories. Yeah, like um, John Key with his state yeah, house story. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, or yeah, Paula yeah. Bennett having been on the DPB. Yes, yeah. Often they're used as justifications for kind of well, look, if I can do it, anyone else. Yeah, can. yeah, yeah. Um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps because I did. Because <laughs> I did. It's yeah. not that hard. All that stuff. Um, yeah. And what I wanted to convey by sort of making that the narrative of of myself that I was putting out there was um, one that actually the opposite it's stories like these show why those support systems are so important and then why we need to keep investing them protect them but also it's probably trying to counter a little bit of the idea that I was a bit of an establishment candidate having been a Rhodes Scholar and um, you know I was one of those people who went into Parliament after having worked 
as a parliamentary advisor, which is a yeah. sort of much derided route into, <laughs> yeah, yeah, into yeah. politics. Um, yes. So, you know, I was trying to use that to also demonstrate that I had the kind of street cred to be a, a fully rounded political candidate. Um, and I, I came to feel quite uncomfortable about how I was using that narrative. The, the wider story I try to tell in the book is that, um, yes, despite that somewhat precarious beginning, actually had a very privileged middle-class Pākehā childhood. My mum um, repartnered with my other dad, my stepdad, when I was three and they moved in together when I was six and he, you know, from then on it, we had a very um, kind of privileged, I had a very kind of privileged upbringing. I had every opportunity. I did piano lessons and ballet lessons and speech and drama lessons and yeah. every other kind of thing. We were skiing in the holidays and um, You did go without? like No, I yeah, didn't yeah. go without at all. Um, it, you know, we we lived in a very comfortable home and you know it was a very um a very privileged childhood and because of that I guess I was able to take advantage of opportunities that came my way so I had I had a combination of a really great early childhood with a mum who was trained to be an early childhood teacher so very aware of yeah yeah, you know, yeah. all of that stuff that I needed as a small you're child helping to each other you're helping yep. each other <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah um and then you know lots of opportunities to kind of develop my skills and interests and um yeah was one of those kids that um is yeah I was a super nerd I would be you know, always the one putting up my hand in class and answering yeah. that you know it's like a Hermione Granger type of yeah yeah kid really. <laughs> here's, um, an, here's an extra assignment I did it the weekend yeah, in, yeah. in case we cover this that's right <laughs> yeah. always reading yeah um you know just uh, and and quite from sort of teenage years I'm quite nerdy about politics and po- and parliament as well I'm quite interested in that space and interested in, you know I did lots of debating at high school and at university and um, so what I mean I'm trying to think back to you know like like when I was a teenager politics was not really you know of huge interest to me beyond following the news on TV at night what what gets you interested in Politics at a young age. Um, I, uh, so I remember watching videos about the Springbok tour in social studies and like fourth form social studies, and actually seeing Rod Donald, former Green Party co-leader, in his younger version of of himself. You know, like sort of in his fluoro bike helmet yeah. and his crazy red hair and beard, yeah, and yeah. kind of breathlessly addressing the camera <laughs> um, from the front lines of those protests, and, mm. and feeling like, oh, we. I felt I felt a sort of nostalgia for this time that I hadn't lived through where um you know there'd been something to fight for and I remember yeah. going home to my mum and saying oh we watched this amazing you know documentary um I wish we had something to protest about yeah, so and she kind of looked at me and went I'm pretty sure that there are things you could <laughs> not even protest think, yeah not everything's about. fixed so <laughs> yeah. it's it's, politi- it's it's politics as a sort of um, con- context and enabler for activism in yes. a way really isn't it yeah yeah and I guess a form of activism that felt comfortable to me as someone who'd always kind of played by the rules and wanted to you know uh, you know I, I'm I've been on protest marches and things like that but I'm not your kind of frontline activist person yeah, yeah. I'm more of a sort of how can we use the system to change the yeah, system? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, You're so. thinking of um, strategy and policy yeah. and debate, not flinging white paint at something yeah. or graffiti. And, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. right, yeah. So And so I sort of went home to mum and said, you know, um, 
and she said, well, you could you could start by protesting the student loan system, which was quite new at that time. And she was saying, you, you know, you're going to go off to university in a few years, and you're going to have to get into massive debt. So, you know, so she sort of planted the seed of a few ideas of me thinking, oh, maybe things are not, you know, mm. maybe there are, there is some stuff I should be getting exercised about. And I also remember having a debate with my fifth form economics teacher about sort of the purpose of of growth <laughs> um, and like the saying to him but why does companies keep growing yes they give money back to their shareholders so they can grow the company more but what's the point of all of that and he kind of said oh you're a bit of a trendy lefty aren't you and I thought yes I am and that <laughs> that became quite yeah, a, yeah. Um, a thing to embrace yeah, yeah 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 so that I think those kind of experiences were the seed of that um and then I went off to university at Otago and um tried to get into politics there in, in terms of student politics, but fortunately was beaten by Dave, who's now my partner, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, who ran against me for the position that I was going for on the Students Association, and thank God he did, because that would have been a miserable experience. And instead I ended up writing for Critic, the student yeah. magazine, and becoming the editor there. So which which has you invested in student politics yeah, anyway. by virtue of that yeah. title, right? And like the yeah. student magazine always has. That's right. We tried to lip service and then more. Yeah, we took our we took our role as the sort of critic and conscience yeah. of the university yeah. and of the students' association. Yes. Very seriously, and would cover their executive meetings. Yeah, yeah. Great, you know, probing journal- <laughs> journalistic. <laughs> but not too um, probing because they're paying for you, right? Yeah, but, <laughs> on some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I think in in. in in Dunedin, at Otago, we were luckier than some student magazines are because we had quite a lot of functional independence from the right. Students Association and editorial independence. Um, well, I was going to say, it's really good for learning that kind of, learning how that operates within yeah. journalism, that you aren't just beholden to, you know, your shareholders in a yes. sense that there is still some journalistic yes. integrity that must win out over you know, yeah. securing a bit of funding. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you can still have some editorial yeah. independence. And, and I remember, um, so Dave, my partner then, um, who wasn't my partner at the time, but spent several years on the Students Association yeah. executive, and at one point he was the postgraduate rep, and he actually had left Dunedin and um, was living, basically living in Wellington, but still claiming his <laughs> honorarium. And so we published this expose <laughs> about um you know dave haynes claiming his honorarium and isn't even in town um so we you know we kind of thought we were yeah. pretty doing pretty seriously good job about that but um you know we, as well as the sort of campus sphere we that also allowed quite a lot of um it was an election year that i was the editor um so we, we yeah, had right. quite a lot of politicians yeah. in we interviewed a lot of politicians i interviewed helen clark at that time and thought that was amazing you know yeah. so um it was a way, and we had we clearly had a sort of unabashedly left wing yeah. editorial stance on the on the magazine. So it was a way into politics, even though it was a yeah, 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 wasn't through that. And what are you thinking? Mechanism. What are you thinking you're going to do at that point? Like as journalism? I thought um, I was going to be a mass- journalist. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in fact, I um, enrolled and was accepted into Massey Journalism School here in Wellington. So I moved back to Wellington, but I had this kind of. Um, I guess I was very hubristic. I had this like, oh, I've been working in, I've been working as an editor of, yeah. a ma- of a magazine, and now I'm gonna have to go back. Okay. <laughs> I've already climbed that hill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, I was a bit unsure about it, and I had was pretty arrogant probably, and thought, oh, I'm not, I shouldn't have to go through and do all the basics. Well, I, and, I don't know when it changed, but I would think like for quite a while the 
being the editor of a student rag did get you straight mm. in the door to newspaper mm. or you know like rather than going going, to going back to school, school as you say yeah like it's probably right on the cusp around that time that about 2005 yeah. about that wasn't you know that wasn't yeah. an automatic entry into the profession yeah. someone like Matt Nippet who had been at Salient yeah. um, a couple of years before he'd actually he actually won a Qantas Media Award as they were then um, for for a piece he wrote for Salient and kind of cat and parachuted straight into um you know, I think he worked first for the listener. And yes. so I've seen things like that and I kind yeah. of thought, why should, why should I have to go to journalism school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was a bit, um, yeah, I was a bit of a dick. I really mean, he's, he's quite a freakish talent though too. He is. As, as, you Absolutely. Know, let's give him his yeah. dues as a, as, a, invest, well, as a journalist, but as an investigative. Especially as an investigative journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. At, a, at a time when that was a, that was hard, well, it's always hard to do, but at a time when, you know, to, to sort of fall into that fully formed as it feels like he has. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's clearly, That's you know, right. he's done his 10,000 hours plus. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, and I, so there was that, and I also had a little bit of a hesitancy about what I knew would be the grounding in um, kind of objectivity that I would have to have yeah. if I was going to go down that traditional journalism route. And even at that stage, I, I felt pretty... I felt pretty strongly about my political beliefs and my convictions and I I did want to write but I wanted to write in a way that would allow me to um, voice those opinions and I did feel some nervousness about sort of going through the traditional newsroom route and not being able to yeah. do that so while I was sort of weighing those things up and thinking about whether I should take up that place at journalism school I saw a job advertised working for the Greens as a comms person and I thought, well, maybe that's a better fit. So Angle, yeah, yeah. Com- for that and combining doing interests that. and skills today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I ended up turning down that place and um, and doing that, which I did for a year um, and was great because I was a political nerd so I loved working yeah. in Parliament and I loved working yeah. with the MPs. and um, But it was only 20 hours a week so I knew... You know, I needed some. I needed to be thinking about something else. So I ended up applying for the Rhodes Scholarship that year and getting it. And so went off for a couple of years to do masters. Yeah. In the UK and yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me about. Uh, I mean, you've done some other writing outside of this book and outside of the blog. You've done. You've done and are doing book reviews. You've done what book reviews on radio as well, which mm. is a a different sort of thing to yeah. writing a review, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Or do it you is. or do you sit down and I do actually write, write a draft write of notes. sorts, just some notes yeah, yeah. Um, that I use to speak from? But it is, you know, it's it's that. Um, so I do reviews for Nine to Noon, and they're conversational. So yeah. it has to feel as though it's a conversation between Catherine Ryan and the reviewer, even though. She often, sometimes she's read the book, but often she hasn't. So it's quite an art. Well, to, um, she would, I mean, she would be pretty good to work with, right? right? Like she's, yes, she's fantastic. She's one of our um, absolute best. Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so that's been really. I mean, um, the another thing I'm really nerdy about. I'm in a bit of a fangirl of is Radio New Zealand. So yeah, yeah. I love getting to go on there and do those. Yeah. Um, and I have yeah I've been reviewing books for the spin-off. Um, 
pretty regularly for the last couple of years as well, which has been a great. Yeah. Steve Bornius is an incredibly rigorous editor, <laughs> um, and that's really great. Right. Like, I appreciate that a lot. I think the first review I sent to him came back four or five times. Really? Revision. Right. Yep. I was, yeah, um, I was just going to ask, so he comes, he, he puts it back to you that yep. we should do this, 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 what it, you know. Yeah, so, you know, like, that's his lazy writing here, and you can yeah. do much better there, and what are you really trying to say there? It's yeah, it, right. it's really good, like, um, you know, it's, it's hard as, as a writer to kind of have your writing critique that way, but definitely yeah. um, improves the quality of it. So, yeah. Yeah, he's been and great. And you've written for Spit-Off Parents as well? Yes, a yeah. couple of essays about, I guess, so some of the sort of similar, traversing similar material in the book in terms of... Um, dealing with postnatal anxiety yeah. and, um, you know, just making sense of the ways that parenting is different from what you expect it to be before you have kids yeah. To, yeah. to what it's really like. Um, and Emily uh, writes, the editor of yep. Spin Off Parents, um, and I did a podcast together for a while. That's right, yeah. Um, which uh, was great. I yeah, really, I listened, really I listened enjoyed to it, but most of those, I think. Dear Mama. Dear Mamas, yeah. yeah. Um, but we just, uh, we're, uh, we haven't officially it, it yeah, yeah. sort of it's announced on it. It's, it's on hiatus. It's on at the moment, yeah. which is mainly due to the virtues effect. It's very difficult for us with our... We live at opposite ends of yes. the city. You know, she's... Um, yeah, we, we don't live close together. Uh, our kids got, are on yeah. different schedules. We yeah. work different schedules. Yeah. I'm pregnant. You know, it's just very, been very difficult yeah. to organise yeah. being in the same place at the same time. You've um, both got books out now yep with and, and have been knee yep. deep in publicity as that's well that's right so yeah that too. she was kind enough to come and give the speech at the launch of my book yeah um which was just wonderful so, yeah, yeah yeah so um that's all going to carry on though the the writing and the yeah. reviews that's all yeah part yeah. of the plan forward it's, yeah i sort of have come to see Writing is my vocation yeah. now. Um, you know, I went away from it for a long time and into politics and maybe, you know, it has occurred to me maybe at that crucial decision-making juncture uh, when I could have gone to journalism school but I kind of got into politics and said maybe that was the wrong choice. But I, but I don't, I mean, you can never regret the things you do and I've learned mm. a huge amount from that experience in politics. So I don't, I don't regret that. But I certainly have sort of come full circle back to thinking that actually this is what I really want to be doing um but of course you've got to have a day job as well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't really make a living off writing no. um so I do work also work for the office of the children's commissioner yeah which feels like a really good fit because it's really aligned with mm. my values and the things that got me into politics in the first place um and is an incredibly flexible family friendly employer unlike parliament yeah um, with great colleagues so so that has been really excellent and um yeah squeezing squeezing writing and around that how but um by the bug were you around the idea of a book like do you do you go right i'm already planning my second volume yeah I, and when i say second volume i don't mean save again yeah I, whatever it is yeah like, i i would like to write more books yes um i guess and i have a couple of ideas about um what that could be what an yeah. what an next book could be, but I am about to have another baby. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen too soon. But again, more yeah. material. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. For, for future writing. Absolutely. I, I I would imagine one of those ideas that you're holding on to 
a stiletto idea around sharing other people's stories, going and doing interviews and, you know, some version of that. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, I am interested in that. I'm interested in women's voices um, in the public sphere and how they... So, so I'm interested in women who put their voices out there. I'm interested in the ways that they get shut down. I'm interested in, yeah, this this kind of women writers, but also women from other walks of life. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. I was going to say, so so in the uh, book, you you have this thing, this list of books, and you talk about uh, reading only women. I wondered how how that that decision sat with you in terms of influencing right shall I shut all the male musicians out of my life and just listen Mm. to female musicians shall I just listen to strong women composers you know Mm. or or bands where the woman Mm. is the lead voice Mm. as writer and singer or or artists you know I think what it's done is kind of tilt my preferences a little bit I mean in terms of music I probably already had a bit of a preference for um, you know women's women songwriters and, yeah. and bands fronted by women but but by no means exclusively um but yeah certainly in terms of the books i i'm no longer kind of rigidly, rigidly saying yeah, yeah. i only read women writers but i have found that that's kind of what i'm that's what that she go to, to. Yeah, yeah yeah now yeah and, well it's it's interesting isn't it um the limiting of something like deciding I'm only going to do this. Mm. I guess. I guess you could compare it to. For some people, it's not a choice, but like, you know, voluntary dietary things like deciding to be a vegetarian or whatever. Yeah. Suddenly, this palette opens up. Yeah, and 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 creatively too. I think it's a really, um, you know, you see people do it a lot, kind of as a as a technique to producing creative work is yeah. to say, right, I'm gonna whatever it is I'm going to just only say yes to anything ever ask anyone ask me yeah. for a year and then I'll write about that or I'm going to um, cook every recipe in some cookbook and write yeah. a blog about that or whatever it is setting yourself some arbitrary limitations yeah, a rule of a, yeah. whatever of a type yeah can then produce quite interesting yeah creative space um, but I'm I'm not I don't have any plans to kind of do another similar thing at the moment yeah. um it's more, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to, my plan is to have a baby to kind of see how everything changes as a result because I'm yeah. no longer <laughs> naive enough to think I can well, I gonna, control that. Yeah, 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 and you've probably only just got established or semi-established your new routine around Absolutely. one child and, every, you know, work Absolutely. and everything. So that's yeah. going to get, there's a massive yep. upheaval. There's a massive upheaval coming and then we'll see how the dust settles um, from that. And yeah, but I, but th- through all of that, I plan to keep writing in some form and uh, yeah, something will emerge, no doubt, at some point. How, um, how was it for your partner with the book? Uh, he has been really great about it because um, it it does expose him quite a lot. You know, it's mm. not his story; that's his own to tell. But, yeah, yeah. He's, but he's he in there. To, but he's in there. Even if he didn't want to be. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I left Parliament, we had this conversation about what reason I should give publicly for leaving, and yes. I was quite keen to say at that time, 
I'm leaving because my partner has become unwell because it felt like quite a convenient way to yes. um, package up, you know, all of these reasons. Again, and it's true, but yeah. It's true, exactly. but it wasn't the whole story. And yeah. he quite rightly said, no, I don't want you to say that because um, that's not the whole reason why you're leaving and, and it didn't feel right. And so we, yeah. that, we didn't say that. We just kind of said something obscure about unforeseen circumstances or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Because of that, I wasn't sure how comfortable he'd be about me writing about this stuff. But I think because I have, it's really, I've focused on myself and what was going on for me. Yes. And drawn the whole picture around everything challenging that was happening, not only <clears throat> with his health, but for myself as well. Um, he's at, he's been really great about well, this, what we've shared. Well, in order to tell your shared story, you have to tell aspects of his story that's right it would have and, been unavoidable and, 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 and that's that's true for anyone but in your case you are dealing with difficulties that you have and difficulties that he has and then shared difficulties because mm. of both of those of things of those right things. and yeah. arguments around them and yep. yeah, yeah 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 so it's a lot of a lot to deal with a lot of unpacking a lot of um, yeah yeah and he you know so he he one thing we learned and have learned in the last couple of years is that um, I shouldn't share first drafts with him. <laughs> I was just going to say, did he have a, did he have or ask for a sort of power of veto? He did. Or... I, I mean, I gave him a kind of power of veto, but we we learned through me showing him other things, you know, way lower stakes things like drafts of reviews and stuff. Yeah. Um, that. I shouldn't show him the first draft of something because he, I mean, he's a very, he's a historian. He's an excellent writer himself. Yeah. He's, he's a sharp critic. At, um, and so he would always inevitably see ways that they could be improved, which I would be totally open to hearing from yeah. anybody else, yes. but which from him might yeah. want to like stand my ground and have an argument about it. Yeah. So we sort of learned, okay, first drafts are not the time. My first read will be somebody else. And then when I've got it polished up a bit more, then I'll share it with him. Um, and so that's what I did. I essentially shared a, shared a sort of full draft um, when it was nearing the completion stage and said, are you okay with everything that's in here? And he read it and said that he was. He didn't. There wasn't anything he wanted to change, which, yeah, is, I think it's incredible, really. He's taken it all with very good grace and good humour. Um, and then he, yeah, he reread it again in its completed form sort of the week before it came yeah. out to sort of brace himself for what might yeah, be coming yeah. because he's yeah. he's relying on you to you know to have his back I guess which, yeah. which you do because you're partners yeah. you know like yeah. but but publicly yeah. he doesn't get the chance to possibly doesn't want it but doesn't get the chance to defend himself or explain anything That's he, right. he's also relying on you doing that for him, yeah. which might even dig even more of a hole for him. You know, like yeah. I can imagine an yeah. anxiety around that. Are are you a good editor for him? Are you good editors for each oh. other? <laughs> this is funny. And now, so when we we had a civil union, um, we're, I mean, basically yeah. for all intents and purposes, we're married, but we we had a civil union at a time before marriage equality had passed. Yes. So we felt like it was important to not be part of an institution that our gay friends and family couldn't be part of. Yeah. So anyway, at our civil union. We wrote our own vows and um, we had <laughs> that one thing he promised to do was always do the dishes, um, which he has not been able to fulfill right. for physical reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I promised to read everything he writes, which I have 
utterly failed to do. <laughs> right, right. Um, and as a source of some um, occasional, mostly good humoured, but sometimes less good humoured tension when, um, you know, he's working on history uh, chapters for books or articles that, um, you know, he, he'll share a draft with me and I won't get around to reading it or... Um, you know, we'll read long after the fact before after right. my yeah, all... my critique of the event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's a, that is a little bit of a sore, po- <laughs> sore right. point. Um, but you know, I he it's hard. I think it's harder to review the kind of writing he does, which is oh yeah, um, I bet. Yeah. kind of he does um, New Zealand history, his particularly of the whaling industry and of yeah. contact between. Um, yeah, so it's hard, it's hard to have um, huge points to make unless you know I don't that, have a great that subject, deal of content right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's right. Um, you can't. Yeah. You can stylistically pick out the yeah. odd thing, I'm sure, but yeah. again, the the content is so crucial and the knowledge of the content that, yeah. apart from simple grammar and typos and stuff, yeah, insight is irrelevant yeah. unless you know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one exception being he, so he writes a lot about um, kind of history of early contact between. Um, Ngaitahu in South Island and the and the whalers who were there, including um, sort of marriage and prostitution and that kind of thing. And I have from time to time offered a sort of a, I guess a feminist yes, perspective right. on yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really it's really difficult territory because um, as with so much of women's history, yeah, uh, the perspectives of the women are missing from yeah, the yeah. official accounts, you know, from the logs and things, the sources and, that he has. And then also to offer it now as in some sense a rewriting of a history yeah. too, and, and yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, so so all I can really do is say, hmm, that felt a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was jarring um, and yeah. why, and he yeah. could go, yeah, I know, but... Yeah, this is, um, this is why. It's, yeah. it, this, this sort of con- conversation is interesting to me because, yeah, I've, you know, I've I've written a lot for, for a long time and I've been able to, I've had to pump stuff out and been able to, but I've really felt it with doing um, articles for spin-off parents they aren't just about me, they're about my mm. son and they're uh, hugely about my wife. Mm. So, um, you know, I have to find time for her to, I have to sort of, I guess, sometimes broach the subject before I've written it and then yep. I definitely have been really um, sure to give her, I guess, veto, you know, yeah. or, or certainly, you know, let her read it before it comes out so that she can say mm. you know and 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 you know i think nothing's needed to be sort of changed or i haven't gone too far but or anything like that but i i feel it so much more with writing it's a real about, responsibility yeah yeah like yeah. I, i've let details of my life slip all over the place in, in blog posts and even in some reviews um and and in other things i've done fiction and stuff sure there's there's all sorts of clues of who i am and some clues of the family, but writing directly about the family is so much more of a responsibility, yeah. and I really feel it. Like I, yeah. I'm not good at um, at working slowly. I, I work quick, and I power through things. And I'm a real, you know, not so much just a first drafter, but like I've learned to because of publishing primarily online. You don't just fix things in the rewrite. You just do it again. You just it's all, it's all an evolving conversation. You do another post. You add yeah, more things to it. But right. with, with the spit off parent stuff, it's really you know I've taken a lot longer to write things, mm-hmm. and I'm really, which I guess is good. You know, it's mm. good good for me. But mm. uh, yeah, and I, I mean I've really enjoyed the pieces that you've written for the spin off parents because I think in this whole realm of writing about parenting and the the kind of the hard stuff as well as the 
you know, glossy stuff with cute kids and what have you is um, that that I'm really encouraged that that is something that is happening more and more. And mostly we hear from mothers about that experience. So it's really useful and refreshing to read to have some... a father's perspective um yeah but but as you say that you know you read that very aware that um there's another person or indeed yeah the, you know two other people yeah 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 um in that story and well so, it's you know yeah. oscar's at school now and i've had um some of the parents and even some of the teachers from the school say, oh, I read your thing about this. And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that's okay at the moment. But, you yeah. know, what happens when it's, you know, what happens when it's kids in his class saying, you yeah. know, my my dad says your dad wrote this and, yeah. <laughs> and that means this. I think so, about that a bit yeah. too in terms yeah. of, um, you know, my daughter Esther is three and she has been cognizant about this thing about yeah. Mum's written a book, and Mum um, was on TV and the radio yeah. talking about her book. And she sort of, she knows she's in the book, and she likes to look at her name on the dedication page. And yeah, you yeah. know, it's been all, you know. But one day, so a one day when she's older, she will read this book, and yes. um, you know, there's some it's some pretty full on stuff about basically the impact that her birth had on, on us as yeah. a family, and so that. But also, as she gets older, if I'm writing more in this kind of genre of memoir and personal essay, yeah, she she becomes less of a... As a preschooler, they're just kind of a passive... They're not passive in any sense, you know, in terms of their yeah, lives. Yeah, but, yeah. but they're not cognizant of this realm. Um, but as she gets older, she will become more and more so. And that yeah. adds another dimension of that stuff that you really have to think about as a as a non-fiction writer who draws on your own life um, is how it impacts on those other people in your life, including your kids. So, I mean, totally. Reading your book and even thinking about, you know, well, loads of the articles on Spinoff Parents and Emily's done such a good job there of pulling together these different writers and different voices and stuff that are all, you know... Uh, having their version of a say a parenting story it's a good good sort of reminder of how um, important storytelling is and how looking sort of at it ourselves in our own ways is you know there's this giant collective anonymous experience going on with the internet in many ways having these pinpointed things around yeah we, we all have some sort of idea of being a parent say but the experience while we could go oh that's similar to mine mm. they're all completely different yep. and it's really nice to have so many different voices in the conversation yes yes yeah and yet we're on uncharted ter- territory really in terms of yeah I mean I, I know I know women who've written a lot about parenting younger children and then when their kids have got older and kind of come into their teenage years have stopped at the request yeah. of their kids, basically. I can um, imagine that, yeah. Yeah, but that, but that's interesting too because I think there's a whole another set of really interesting experiences around parenting teenagers um, that I would love to yeah. read about. Yeah. Um, but that again, you know, this stuff is so tricky, and there's no. Well, right that's a, that's answers. another thing, though, isn't it? That's another thing for the writers is there's got to be a way. I mean, I, I know there 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 is because you know there are people that do it, but there's got to be a way of of sharing these stories without oversharing your own mm. grim personal mm. or happy personal details. Mm. Like there mm. is a way to mask it enough so that, you know, the people close to you are protected mm. or or at least 
respected. Mm. And that's, I guess, one of the challenges that maybe you and me both and, and other you know, writers will, will come to if we continue to go down yeah. that sort of path is yeah. working out how how we do that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't particularly think I have many parenting stories in me. The ones I've done, I've been pleased with because they've all been real. Mm-hmm. And I've worked quite hard on all of them in terms of thinking. And then they fall into place and then I do them. But, um, you know, I guess they have, they exist. They have a validity. I don't know if they're good or not, but I've liked them. But, but I don't know how many I've got. But then, of course, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, which that's is, right. You know, it's, it's changing constantly, isn't it? So, yeah, and so yeah. it can be about that. It can be fall into a sort of diary esque sort of form. Yeah. Or it can be about particular issues or yeah. whatever. But yeah, I don't. I don't know how long I plan to do it. But uh, but then again, you know, I didn't plan to write about music for as long as I did and have. You know, mm. you just fall into these mm. things, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Tell me about uh, Kim Hill, because you have said a couple of times, I mean, I listened to it, I thought it was a good interview, but you listened, to, you, you said a couple of times how nervous you were about that. I is just, that just love that, her so Yeah, I was going to say, is that part of your yeah. RNZ yeah. idolisation? I just love her. Again, she's yeah. sort of top of the hill, right? Like yeah. yeah. When I was an MP, I had the opportunity, there's this outfit called the New Zealand Business and Parliament Trust, and they... Basically, they send MPs, they sort of match MPs with different organisations and send them on these little um, sort of placements where you can learn about different businesses and how they operate. And um, I did one at Radio New Zealand because because I just was, um, you know, I grew up listening to national radio as it was then and just, you know, feel it's such an important institution and um, one of the things that I kind of wrangled my way into doing was to see if I could sit in for a morning on Saturday yeah. morning and yeah. did that and just was starstruck by it. I just love her, I love her interviewing style, I love the way she can take any subject which I may or may not be sort of on the surface of it interested in and make, make it, it fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, my, and having now been interviewed by her, I really have a huge respect for her ability to direct the conversation to where it needs to go um, within the time constraints that you know they have she has for yeah. whatever particular interview um, you know <laughs> and then you go such an art. and then you go she does that six or eight times a day I know every week it's you astonishing. know yeah and then whatever whatever things come up that come up in live broadcasting like someone doesn't turn up on time and you fill space or breaking yep. news and all yep. of those variables yeah just watching yep. them i remember talking to um jeremy taylor who talks on night to noon um and he was talking about uh oh gosh some event that happened um where it was breaking news and so he was you know held back out of the studio and just watching catherine juggling mm. like the actual juggle where mm. she had her producer in her ear while she was talking mm. to a person on mm. a phone call and then someone else was running in notes to her notes. which she was reading because yeah. they were trying to grab some other expert on the phone and he said you know just watching this kind of coordinated ballet yeah and you know and i've and seen, all the time I've seen there's this person at the center of it who's calm yeah and just going with the flow and able to really quickly assimilate that information i mean it's yeah it's incredible really um 
So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't nervous because I thought she would be harsh yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. like that. Well, you, just you, you, come from in, presence. you come from a, a, a unique, almost a unique position in, with, with regard to that, where you've torn yourself to bits in the book more <laughs> yeah, than an yeah. interviewer is going to do. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And also I've done a lot of, um, you know, in my previous life, political interviews yes. where... Um, perhaps the interviewer is more looking to probe or find a weakness yes, or, you know, yeah, with yeah. this kind of interview, yep, she wanted to go into interesting places and that was cool, I was happy to go there, but you know no one's going to be out to get you. you yeah, know, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I, I was interviewed by her when my book came out a few years ago and I had the same thing. I had a friend teasing me the night before about, oh, you, you know, you must be worried and it's like, well, I hope not, you know, like, I'm, you know, obviously I'm I'm nervous in the sense that I want it to go well yeah. and I recognise that it's going to be helpful for the book and it's a great opportunity, yeah. but it's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I'm defending fracking, you know, yeah. it's not like yeah. I'm going yeah. on there and she's going to come at me, yeah. you know, what's the worst she's, and I think the worst that she did was, you know, tell me I was mean to 660 fans and it's like okay Kim if you want to take the position of defending 660 like that's that's on you you know like let's just get back to talking about my book you know like so yeah but I it's it's a pretty amazing experience to go Mm, through that absolutely Yeah. yeah feel very grateful to have had that opportunity and for all the coverage of the book like it has been um a little bit overwhelming the interest in it and I think I think mainly it's because of that idea of like lifting the lid on an experience that isn't often talked about publicly is sort of the the private lives of MPs and um, what goes on behind the scenes and of course the sort of the sort of alarming element of the self-harm that that I talk about there is going to be newsworthy in the sense of like well an MP was going through this you know so I I get that there's a a sort of an angle in that that that, um, people are interested in but I have been um surprised and a little bit overwhelmed by the level of interest but um yeah if it if it is and it seems to be starting those conversations that mm. we're talking about before around mm. um you know how how could this how could we do about do this differently or think about this yeah. differently then then that's great and it's well it's well. a good it's also you know what i took from your book was you know i mean i guess where i could relate to your book was mainly was through being a parent mm-hmm. and, and, and being a parent who's trying to write and be interested in books and stuff you know I'm not uh, you know I'm not in politics I'm not going to be I'm not in a stressful job I'm you know I didn't give birth to a child you know like there's lot there's mm. lots of things I can't relate to mm. in, in terms of the book but but what I took from it was just uh, uh, not just how everyone's got a story and everyone's struggle is important um but just how um, how things can snowball, and then you you recognize you only recognize you're in deep when you're in deep. You don't yeah. recognize that you're going. You know, nobody ever recognizes that they're that they could get in deep. You know. Yeah, that's that's so true. And you know, there were people before I had Esther. You know, when I had these grand plans of how we were going to carry on and I'd stay in parliament and you know we'd fit the baby around yeah. you know, people did try to say you know what you're going to do is going to be really hard <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but you can't until you have the experience until you're in it. And, you know you just and also no one really likes to be told from someone no, else this is how it's going to go you I know, like, didn't want to hear it you know and yeah. I, f- I felt confident um, misplaced confidence as it turned out that you know the, that wouldn't apply to me yeah yeah um, 
yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It's yeah. The other thing that I think is so uh, you know, great about your your book is like I would have had you around to talk anyway about your experience had you not written a book, but and the things that you've done, but I listen to conversations on ABC Radio, which I love, and I listen to, you know, Kim Hill and Catherine Ryan and all these, you know, great people doing these great interviews, and I write down lists of, oh, I must read that book, then I go and look it up, or I reserve it from the library, and it's 500 pages, mm. and I read the intro, and then I go to something else, and your book is accessible, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's short. It's, well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. it's accessible, it's well written, it's a it's a great story, and there's something to be said for um, a short book, you mm. know, it, it's, it's achievable, like, mm. you know, I read a lot, but I read a lot across bits and pieces, and, and I think, you know, we all do these days, I, some days I read a lot, but it's all been on a screen, other days I do sit and read half a book. Yours is a book you can read in, in a single sitting or a couple of sittings, yeah. and you can reread it, and uh, you know you can take your time with it. This well-thumbed edition, and I thought you'd mm. appreciate being a parent. It's got coffee spilled on it and, and, and bits and pieces. This yeah. has been read by three people already, and obviously, awesome. well, no, obviously an author would prefer that three copies <laughs> were bought, but. <laughs> You know, Whatever, I'm happy if people are reading it. I, I just think like yeah. your story and the publicity that you've got around it, that, that one of the great end results is this is not just an accessible book, it's an affordable book too, mm. which is important, you know, like it's not being, you're not charging a whole lot for it. Yeah. Which yeah, is there too. That's right. I, and that's what's really, so it's part of a set, the series. Yeah, that and they're a great, I mean, I've read four or five of them mm. but I've got a couple of others to read it's a great mm. what I've read so far it's a great series that's right they're short they are short so I think they're all sort of between 10 and 40,000 words yeah and um, this one's 25,000 or so they're um, extended essays a lot yeah, of them really in yeah, a way aren't they, they? Are. Yeah. um th- they are they retail at 15 dollars, so they are affordable and um I mean mine's a bit five bucks if you're an e-book five books yeah. for five bucks for an e-book that's yeah. right and I mean mine's a bit different from many of them and that it's kind of much more in the memoir genre, yes. although there are several memoirs in the series and many literary memoirs, um, yeah, yeah, particularly early on in the series. But m- most of them are sort of pocket sized introductions to contemporary issues, yes. and that's great because there are, as you say, like in the world we live in, I mean, god, yeah. the challenges are myriad, <laughs> yeah. and getting your head around, um you know, issues from the kind of housing crisis to the freshwater crisis to. Um, migration, you know, being able to pick up a short book that you can read in a a sitting and get sort of the key perspectives on an important issue like that um, is great. And I think think that, um, I don't want to speak too much for the publishers at BWB, but I think they are keen to um, go into that territory more of sort of memoir and and personal storytelling too with the series, and I think that's going to be great. Well, this is it. I think, like, in this day and age too, people talk of reading some people talk of reading as being daunting like they've stared you know they've been Mm. our jobs are often based around staring at a screen so there's reading going on and and you know eyesight being deteriorated whatever all day Mm. and then you come home and for a lot of people they pour their glass of wine or their you know whatever their glass of water and they put on the idiot box and relax mm. or they listen to some music or they just go to bed or they mm. deal with their kids mm. or they pick up the broken pieces of their life that you know their working day has yeah has 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 hurled at them and and for some people one of the great refuges is to pick up a giant big book or or a slim volume but for others it's just daunting so yeah I think a lot of people have said um 
oh god how did you find the time to read all those books when all yeah. of this other stuff was going on and um I mean the truth is books have always been they have always been my kind of escape and yeah. I was an incredibly avid reader as a child and have remained so um and I you know I did I found in some ways it was I mean you have to read in snatches when you've got a small yeah, child yeah, yeah. and that's frustrating but times like sitting outside Esther's bedroom waiting for her to fall asleep or when she was younger breastfeeding or um you know just uh, commuting on the train yeah. I read a lot on the train yeah. to and from work you know instead of picking up my phone and kind of mindlessly scrolling once again through Facebook yeah if I've got a book to pick up um it's amazing actually how much reading you can get through yeah I agree and I I, I I don't know if it's the popular thing to do I, I feel okay doing it because I mean you're here you can see I've got books on shelves mm. but I want to give a shout out to the e-readers and, uh, for parents because you know that's where uh, Katie and I both sort of discovered the the use of a Kindle was absolutely particularly when yeah. Oscar was a baby because you actually can you know yeah. Prop it up against the side of the couch and have yeah. both hands on the kid, yeah. or if you or if you're holding them I with see one you've hand. I've got paper copy of the luminaries up there. Yeah, yeah, but, that's um, hard to deal with, right? That's how I I read the luminaries on an e-reader when Esther was yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how are you going to deal with how that else book? are you going to yeah, lift yeah. a big book like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like and um, yeah. So I'm now. I'm now the kid, you know, I read books, but the Kindle comes out at things like swimming lessons where mm-hmm. he's in the pool by himself, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I'm watching, but I can actually get. Yeah you know quite a few pages read yeah you know so it's the same thing or yeah. yeah on a on a bus or i always take my kindle to to gigs and read for five minutes in between like you know i never read while the person's playing but yeah. like in the changeover there yeah. i'll sit and read for yeah 10 or 20 minutes or yeah. five minutes and it is it amazing is. how, much, how reading much you can get through in those little snatches of time yeah it's still a luxury when you get some sort of uninterrupted reading time to Oh yeah, yeah. I feel you know, get stuck into something. I always have these ideas of oh yeah, right, you know, uh, you know, we say we finish this conversation. I'll go, oh, I've got you know, I've got a bit of time. I'll make a cup of tea and read. But then I'll go off and do something else, mm-hmm. and then I'll think, oh, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I need to do this, and that two hour or one hour imaginary, yeah. you know. Window turns into five minutes, and then it's That's time right. to. <laughs> and the challenges of working from home also yeah. is that there's always something else that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's difficult to prioritise that reading time. So I guess you're you're sort of winding up the publicity of the book in a way. Yeah, I think I think most of the most of that is over now. Um, and yeah, I mean we'll see. No doubt, one or two other things might bubble up. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of feel like I have. Um, <laughs> I've, fin- I've exhausted the possibilities of talking about it in some ways. Um, and yeah, and then and then it would just um yeah it'll just sit there i guess and yeah, it'll yeah that's exist. the great thing about the a book is it, it sits out there well, as well doesn't it isn't it funny like with what not just books pieces of writing you get this the feedback loop is e- elongated or mm. something now you you mm. get uh, uh someone sent me an email yesterday uh, thanking me for a review of a book I did in 2010, mm. you know, and it was yeah. it was like they, it was Keith Richard or 2010 or 11 Keith Richards' memoir, and this guy wrote me an email from someone from America going, you know, thank you. I thought it was just me who had this opinion of this book. I finally found someone who had the same opinion. That sort of thing, and I just thought, God, you know, yeah. that's just so funny that that's that old and everyone's... someone's come across it. And yeah. yeah. I had a similar one, I, I wrote a piece, and um, one of the very first pieces I published once I started to kind of, 
I'd left, after I'd left Parliament and started to publish this kind of writing was about um, going to a Don McGlashan gig yeah. um, and sitting in the audience and having this kind of epiphany about... He was singing Andy um, about his brother who died and sort of having this epiphany about, God, everybody's carrying around some shit. You know, yeah, so, yeah, you know, I've been feeling kind of sorry for myself and then realised actually part of being a grown-up is just carrying some of this God, stuff around. God, that's a song though, isn't it? Oh, it's I mean, an incredible song. Just... Andy, don't keep your distance from me Andy, don't keep your distance from me is just yeah. and, and, and and then you go through his catalogue and there are several yeah, you know, that are yeah. so great but that one yeah, that is one its own really... special thing yeah and and I'd seen him I had seen him perform it several times before because my partner Dave um, is probably the biggest fan imaginable of Don McGlash and so we've been to many of his gigs yeah um, but there was something about this particular performance where I could feel that really raw emotion of it and thinking you know that his brother died what thirty years ago and and he's he, for us for his this audience, he's pulling up that emotion and presenting it yeah. to us again on a plate. The rawness of that and the gift of that as a performer. Um, so I wrote this piece about that and that was one of the first things that I had published and not long ago, so that, that was probably three, two, three years ago now that was published. Yes. Not long ago, um, you know, a girl that I used to know at uni sent me an email saying she was Googling for the lyrics of that song and had come across it. And yeah, right enjoyed the piece so yeah they do yeah, they go yeah, out yeah. there and then they sit there for people to find at the right time and that's there's something very nice it's, about it it's cool because there's the whole you know like I, I i went through the kind of i guess the last of the pure newspaper system where i mean when i first started writing reviews for newspapers i would hand it a floppy disk mm. you know and then it got to emailing them and stuff like that um but there was always the you know oh, it's fish and chip paper and then we we feel sometimes when we put things out into the world uh, as writers I think online oh well, this might not even make it to someone's F5 but you know they're looking at anything else they mm. may never but the thing, yeah the, the, the simple fact is the the uh, lifetime of these pieces has been extended like yep. people it's all just there and people can find it if they want to yeah, yeah. that's right yeah so um, do we need to talk about anything else I feel like we've had a pretty good oh, no I don't think so it's been a pretty wide ranging chat good yeah. well um, it was you know we never met so it was really nice to meet mm, you me and too. I, I really enjoyed this me too thanks for having and me continued uh, success with the book and best of luck with the new baby and thank you and, 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 and best of luck you know just, just getting through it all thank you very much yeah